Welcome to Word to the Mother, a retrospective on 90s R&B and hip-hop. Here's your host, your girl, Charlie D. Welcome to the show. I am your host, Charlie D., a woman who doesn't mind talking to herself into a mic in her basement or her dining room about one of her favorite... Okay, probably her most favorite decade in music that I actually lived through, the 90s. Yes. Thank you. Thank you very much. No, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, simmer down, simmer down. Today's artists seem to fill a gap in girl groups that were missing in the late 80s and into the early 90s that was reminiscent of the girl groups of the doo-wop era. They would go on to receive seven Grammy Awards and seven MTV Video Music Awards. They were ranked as the second most successful female group of the 90s by Billboard and the 19th most successful artist of the 90s with more than 30 million records sold worldwide. Today's artist we're talking about in Vogue. Let go, hold on to your love. You got to hold on. So, but before, so before we get into Invoke's journey, we're going to first revisit what else was going on in April 1990, which is when they made their debut. So, let's see. April 1990, I was 12, aging myself because we all age. Uh, In April, Gloria Estefan returned to Miami, Florida after undergoing back surgery following the March 20th accident. I remember that and her comeback performance at one of those award ceremonies where she sung Coming Out of the Dark. And I remember that being a big emotional thing. Glad to see she's still around and doing well. uh, April 13th, Madonna started her controversial Blonde Ambition Tour in Tokyo, Japan. Okay, I'm not going to go into my whole Madonna obsession thing, but I will say that the Blonde Ambition Tour was a tour that made me become completely obsessed with Madonna. HBO showed it. uh, Yeah, this was back in 1990, so I was 12. I taped it on my VCR and I ended up playing it like every single day the whole summer. I watched that thing so daggone much. I'ma tell you, I knew every single dance and all the choreography and every song cue. I knew the whole goddamn tour. Blonde Ambition Tour is what made me fall in love with Madonna, become completely obsessed. I was obsessed with that tour and all of the dancers. Shout out to Salam. I thought he was the hottest thing. I, I loved it. I, I loved that show. Um, also in April, Janet Jackson was honored with the star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Well deserved. Go Miss Janet if you nasty. Um, Public Enemy's Fear of a Black Planet debut. Mm. Public Enemy, they are worthy of their own episode. There's a lot to say about them. Also, my favorite rap group of all time. 
They debuted their album, People's Instinctive Travels in the Path of Rhythm, a tribe called Quest. Yes, 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 honeys. They have their own episode. Check it out. If you missed it, go back. Go back right now. No, no, finish this episode and then go back. Okay, top singles that came out in April 1990. We had Jane Child, I Don't Wanna Fall In Love. No, no. That song was hot. I love that song. This was a white woman. Okay, y'all. This was a white woman that had braids in her hair. They came down to like her calves. And then she had like a short faux hockey thing in the front. And then this is my she had She had like a piercing in her nose with a chain that connected from my nose to her ear. It, it was like, what the hell? But the song was so dope. I loved it. I loved the hell out of it. Um, Lisa Stansfield came out with Been Around the World. Been Around the World and I, yeah, yeah. I can't find my baby. Remember that she had the little curl on her forehead? That that was hot. I think within a month, no, within a week, everybody was singing that song. More to talk about that one on another episode. Babyface came out with Whip the Pew. So whipping on me. Yeah. It's better than. All right, y'all ain't coming to hear me sing. Whip Appeal by Babyface. That was hot. Even my daddy was like, I like that song. I was like, I know. Um, Luther Vandross is here and now. I don't know the words to the song, <laughs> which is a shame, but <laughs> Here and Now was a really big hit for Luther. Big Luther, not Lord Luther. Big Luther. Luther who curled on never quite. Okay, I'm not here for y'all. Y'all not here for my comedy. Um, also, number one was Sinead O'Connor's Nothing Compares to You. And I'm not going to sit here and try to sing that song because I'm already being silly. But that was number one. And it was a great song. It was a great video. I remember thinking she looks so beautiful in it. But great job. That that was a good one. April 1990. Great hits. Um, as far as movies coming out, Cry Baby by Baltimore's own John Waters. Did I mention I'm from Baltimore? Did I not mention that? Yeah. So, yeah, that was partially filmed in Baltimore. It starred Johnny Depp. Oh, yeah, Johnny Depp was in it. But um, that was a fun movie. Uh, also, Ernest Goes to Jail. Mm, okay. <laughs> Another movie that I have to mention because I saw this on Wikipedia and I don't remember if it was in the theater, but I remember this came out on cable and I swear it came on like every hour, every two hours, every day. It was called Lisa and it starred Cheryl Ladd and Stacey Keenan. And I remember it came on all the time, so I ended up watching it all the time. Looking back at it now, it could have been kind of like a lifetime movie, but. Stacey Keenan from My Two Dads was in it, and it was about this girl who got into a relationship over the phone with this older guy, and I think he turned out to be, like, a serial killer, but she pretended to be her mom. I'm, I'm, I'm probably spoiling it. If you haven't seen it, as if you could actually get a copy, but if anybody remembers this movie, Lisa, hit me up, because... I was like really into, I watched it like every daggone day and I thought it was so good I think I could partially relate to the whole being on the phone talking to guys you ain't supposed to and pretending you somebody you're not like no I'm the only one that I'm, I'm only I'm the only one you know what that's enough about me let's move on <laughs> okay to our featured artist 
It was in Oakland, California that the songwriting duo Denzel Foster and Thomas McElroy envisioned the idea of forming a modern female singing group that would be modeled after the girl groups of the 1950s and 60s. Think of the Supremes, Martha and the Vandellas. But the idea was to create a group in which each member would be strong enough to sing all leads. A concept that I wholeheartedly agree with. With this in mind, and in 1988, they began to hold auditions for attractive, smart women with strong vocals. Approximately 3,000 hopeful singers showed up dreaming of such a spot. But at that time, only three made the cut. Cindy Heron, Maxine Jones, and Dawn Robinson. It was only after Terry Ellis showed up late having been on a delayed flight that they decided to turn the trio into a quartet after she nailed her audition. So check this out. At first, they were going to name the group For You, the number four, the letter U. Um, but that was later changed to Vogue. But after learning that another group had already snagged that name, it then morphed into En Vogue. Perfect. Terry Ellis would tell People Magazine, quote, I came from Texas right out of college and moved to the Bay Area to be a part of the group. So it was really exciting for me. I was like, wow, I'm following my life's dream. The girls were great, the music was amazing, and the producers were awesome and respectful of women, end quote. In the same interview, Cindy stated, quote, I was pretty surprised when I found out I was accepted to be a member. Max and Dawn and Terry became roommates. Max was braiding hair, Terry was working at a bank. It was cool being at the house, walking around barefoot, pulling braid hair from out of your toes, she says. And there was always music blasting, end quote. Soon the ladies were working with the producers on their debut album, which they began recording in August of 1989 and wrapped in December of the same year. In April 1990, their debut album, Born to Sing, was released, which peaked at number 21 on the Billboard 200 and produced four singles. Hold On, Lies, You Don't Have to Worry, and Don't Go. Hold On was the first single released in February 1990 and became a huge crossover pop hit. I'm telling you, when this thing hit, it was an instant hit in my hood. 
First off, Miss Terry on that acapella intro, Who's Loving You? What? I don't know who came up with this, but it was a stroke of genius. Okay, quick flashback story. When this came out, I learned all the dance moves in this video. I ended up teaching it to my friends, and another friend of mine got her dad to bring his uh, video recorder over, and we did the dance, and he taped it for us. Thanks to outdated VHS technology, that tape will never see the light of day, but baby, I had it. <laughs> Shout out to my cousin Monique if you ever check it out, because she was in the video, y'all. That's my cousin, y'all. <laughs> the next single was Lies, which went to number one. this album and i remember wearing it out the summer this came out i wanted to sing like every single one of them the next single you don't have to worry also went to number one This album seriously was so dope and has so many great songs. In fact, I like the whole damn thing. It was one of those rare albums that I could play straight on through because everything sounded so good. Another track that I need to mention that was not released as a single was their rendition of the Andrews Sisters Boogie Woogie Bugle Boy, but this was called Hip Hop Bugle Boy. He was a amazing was that y'all this album has so many fab songs that i cannot play them all but just a few but i also loved don't go and waiting on you oh but wait on don't go i just need to point this out at the very end of the song sang by lead terry ellis she hit this bonkers high note that always amazed me I had to rewind that several times. I mean, Born to Sing was on point. The album was nominated for Best R&B Performance by a duo or group at the 33rd Grammy Awards, as well as win for the Best R&B and Soul Album by Group at the 91 Soul Train Awards. And the single Hold On won Best R&B Soul Album for a group and Top R&B Single. The album went on to be certified Triple Platinum. 
In March 1992, In Vogue released their sophomore album, Funky Divas, working with the same producers as before. This time, they tried some new sounds. This album spawned five singles that would do well in the charts, which include My Lovin', You're Never Gonna Get It, Giving Up Something He Can Feel, Free Your Mind, Give Up, Turn It Loose, and Love Don't Love You. The first single, My Lovin', You're Never Gonna Get It, was released in March just rewatched this video and the thing is they were sexy before but they stepped the hell up in their new style in these new videos i cannot get over how gorgeous each one of them looked in this video but wait that breakdown never gonna get it 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 Never gonna get it, never gonna, never gonna get it. Uh. Okay, bear with me, y'all, because anytime I hear that breakdown now, wow, why do I remember back to that old In Living Color skit when En Vogue was on there and Wanda was trying to be all up in that group? Oh, shoot. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, I'll, I'll start the tune off. Uh, okay. Let me get my tune. Ooh, let me get my note. Let me get my note. Ooh, <coughs> <laughs> My throat is parched. Y'all gonna have to stop. Okay. Never gonna get it. 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 Sorry, I just had to. The next single was a cover from the movie Sparkle called Giving Him Something He Can Feel. Even now, rewatching this video, I'm telling you, bad ass. I mean, what more can I say here? The video is still fire. And to be that damn sultry and sexy is just goals for me. I'm gonna get there one day. <laughs> but seriously, the red dresses, that stage seduction, I wanted to be in this video. I want to live in this video. You feel me? And I think reviews sum this up. Dave Sholin of the Gavin Report stated that the ladies, quote, do it up stunningly, un uncovering this Curtis Mayfield creation and turning it into something beyond compare, end quote. 
Gerald Martinez from New Sunday Times said that he, quote, sees them singing low and cool with that classic finger-snapping Motown R&B feel, end quote. Touche. I could go on and on about this song and video, but gotta move on. The next single was Free Your Mind, and the rest will follow. Prejudice. Want a song about it? Like to hear it? Here it go. Free Your Mind. If you were there, then you should recall that that intro is a parody of the line from another In Living Color character. Okay, wow, another bomb-ass video. This one was a personal fave of my hubbies. I wonder why. Uh, Because here we have one, the ladies rocking out to a heavy metal sound, and two, rocking this fierce-ass runway show at all of them giving us poses, looks, I mean, just yes. What I remember and loved about this song were the lyrics and how they spoke on things that personally mattered to me, particularly the lines about having straight hair, wearing hip hop clothes but not selling dope, about dating other races and still loving my strong black brothers. Hello. I was like, yes, come through in vogue because I had done all of these things at this point. But mainly, I just like the statements that you cannot judge me or pigeonhole me based on superficial characteristics. They mean nothing. Thank you. Clap, clap, clap. In vogue. Also, Billboard named this song number 41 on their list of 100 greatest girl group songs of all time. Very, very well deserved. The next two singles were Give It Up, Turn It Loose and Love Don't Love You. But one song I want to mention, which is another gem that was not officially released, is the song Yesterday, a cover of the Paul McCartney song. Okay, since this is the second cover from a Beatles member, um, the first being Imagine from the Tracy Spencer episodes, can I just take a moment to say that the Beatles were amazing writers creating some classic tunes? Okay, done. Oh, yeah. I believe I believe in yesterday. Oh, 
Funky Davis debuted at 91 and quickly went triple platinum, becoming the seventh highest selling R&B album of the year and the biggest selling album for En Vogue to date. The album also went on to win the American Music Award for Favorite Soul R&B Album and the Sammy Davis Jr. Award for Entertainer of the Year at the 93 Soul Train Music Awards. Also in 93, En Vogue teamed up with the rap group Salt and Peppa to record the song What a Man. The song sampled the 1968 original by singer Linda Lindell, but the rap lyrics were written by Herbie Lovebug Azure, or Azure, I'm sorry, I don't know, and Vogue provided the main hook. The song was a hit, charting at number three on the Billboard Hot 100 and was ranked number 23 on VH1's 100 Greatest Songs of the 90s. This song was major. As a karaoke person, I hear this song quite a bit. In 1995, En Vogue was a featured group on the song Freedom, along with numerous other female artists from the soundtrack to the Mario Van Peebles film, Panther. Child, I love did it it this song. I remember Coco from SWV killing that first verse. Okay, wrong artist. The same year, Cindy and Maxine both went on maternity leave while Terry recorded a solo album titled Southern Gal, which had one single, Wherever You Are. Also in 95, the group made a cameo on the superhero film Batman Forever. Basically, their careers were hot. In 1996, En Vogue recorded the song Don't Let Go Love for the Set It Off soundtrack, becoming their biggest single yet, selling over 1.8 million copies. totally forgot about this track but it is still fire soon after it was time to begin work on their third studio album they apparently have recorded most of the album and was near completing it when don robinson after experiencing dissatisfaction with contract negotiations decided to quit of her decision to leave the group don told euroweb.com quote I've told people for years that each member of En Vogue made two pennies a piece. 
We garnered millions of dollars for the label, but we did not make a million dollars a piece. There's a huge problem with that. So yes, I was extremely difficult. I stood up for what was right when I saw wrong and because I did and because I was alone, it made me look like I was the problem. I was telling my girlfriend the other day that when slavery was abolished, many slaves didn't want to leave the plantations because the master would give them food and shelter and they were afraid to leave. That same kind of mentality exists today where people don't leave their current situation because they are afraid. It's scary to go out there and say enough is enough. It's scary to fight the record company because they're huge and have money. I am a troublemaker. We deserve so much more. End quote. With Dawn's departure, Cindy, Terry, and Maxine decided to move forward as a trio and re-recorded the songs to cover her absence. Yeah. Why did you leave? There was a lot going on. It was like, you know, we weren't making the kind of money that I thought we should make as the caliber of group that we were. Right. You know, two pennies per girl just to me was insane. So there you didn't no like the deal the that second, was cut? Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah, the deal was really from bad. the beginning. The first deal, first right. album was, you know, you go in and you start and you don't know what kind of success you're going to have. And once you have that success, and we were at three times platinum on the first album. It was time to go back to. in and renegotiate. And we never did. Yeah. Right. You didn't so, negotiate. No, we didn't. No. no. So what we got on the first album, we got on the second album. And the second album was even bigger than the first and was still getting the same money. And it was mm -hmm. ridiculous. So I was like... You start waking up to see things, you're looking at your royalty statements, you don't understand the language of the contract that you initially signed, because we're not attorneys, we don't, we don't go in knowing these things right away. We did ask questions of our attorney, but things get a little confusing, and, and by the time you wake up and understand what's going on, you've already signed the contract. The new threesome in Vogue released their third album, EV3, in June 1997, this time using a variety of new producers including Babyface, Diane Warren, and David Foster. This album received mixed reviews though it debuted at number 8 on the Billboard 200, selling 76,000 units the first week. Of the three singles released, two of them, Whatever and Too Gone, Too Long, cracked the top 20 and top 40. The Diane Warren pen song, Too Gone and Too Long, was considered a song among the album's highlights. Connie Johnson of the Los Angeles Times called the song a performance upon which musical reps are truly built, end quote. In 1998, En Vogue recorded a song for the soundtrack to the film Why Do Fools Fall in Love called No Fool No More, which became a top 40 entry in New Zealand and was later included on their first compilation album, The Best of En Vogue, released in 99. Coming into the new century, En Vogue released their fourth studio album called Masterpiece Theater in the year 2000. The title coming from the TV show of the same name, known for featuring adaptations of classic novels and feigned biographies. 
This was also their first album under Elektra Records, having departed from East West Records, but once again working with their longtime producers Foster and McElroy. Again, this one received mixed reviews, but reached number 33 on Billboard's top R&B and hip-hop albums. It had just one released single, a track called Riddle. Apparently, this album and single did better internationally, specifically in Germany and Switzerland. But another song of note that I found and like the sound of is a track called No, 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 Can't Come Back. Critics were mixed on this album, but much was said about their use of classical music here. Q called the album magnificent, complimenting their unpredictable use of classic music. Check out the song called Love You Crazy. Stacia Profrock called the album, quote, clever and classy at the same time, end quote, and also noted the silky smooth harmonies are still there, combined with forceful solos and sassy and intelligent lyrics, also, end quote. British music journalism magazine NME said of this album that it was, quote, spectacular and deranged, and even once the bowtie operatics are over, they stay inventive, end quote. I have to admit, I had not heard of this album or any of the songs prior to this research, but it was pretty interesting and it did have a very different and unique sound. In 2002, In Vogue dropped a Christmas album they titled The Gift of Christmas. After Masterpiece Theater underperformed, the trio was dropped from Elektra Records. 
The following year, just as they added a fourth and new member in Amanda Cole, Maxine decided to leave to spend more time with her family. In 2004, En Vogue released their sixth studio album, Soul Flower, but not before some more lineup changes when, and after they added singer-actress Ronna Bennett into the fold, Amanda Cole, the latest singer added, decided to depart, leaving Ronna to re-record the 10 songs Amanda had already sang on. This album was released through 33rd Street and Funky Girl Records. The two singles were released, which included Losing My Mind and Oh Boy. Ronna wrote on many of the songs, including the track Stop, which I think is a highlight of the album. The Soul Flower album again had mixed reviews and sadly became En Vogue's first album to not reach the top 40. Following this, the group went through a lot of changes. First, let me go back a bit to touch on where Dawn went during this time because she was in a little group called Lucy Pearl. Yep, I know you remember that one. Lucy Pearl was formed in 1999 with Dawn, Raphael Sadiq from Tony Tony Tony, and Ali Shaheed Muhammad from A Tribe Called Class, My Boobies. On May 2000, Lucy Pearl dropped their self-titled album with the single Dance Tonight, which was nominated for Best R&B Performance by Duo or Group at the 43rd Grammys. By August of that year, the album went gold. But by October... Dawn left that group too. Yeah. Okay. Back to Invoke. Now, bear with me because the lineup changed so daggone much. I- I'm still trying to get this straight. Later in 2004, Cindy went on maternity leave again, so Maxine returned to fill the spot so the group could go on tour. Then in 2005, Cindy and Dawn came back right as Ronna decided to exit. The original four then signed a deal and was looking for new material during this time. They performed What a Man at the VH1 Hip Hop Honors and briefly toured together. Then Dawn left again and Ronna came back. Y'all keeping up? Because this mess right here, this sounds worse than some Destiny's Child stuff. Okay. So then Ronna came back. Then they lost the deal they had and then they toured a little bit after that. Child. Okay. In June 2008, the original four members performed at the BET Awards with TLC, SWV, and Alicia Keys during a 90s girl group tribute, leaving everyone buzzing. They considered keeping the lineup permanent while they announced a 20th anniversary world tour. In 2009, they performed at the Essence Music Festival with Beyonce, John Legend, and Neo. 
But then things didn't work out again with Dawn and Cindy. Terry and Maxine signed a deal with Roughtown Records, which was to include two albums and touring. But once again, the comeback stalled, and even after several songs were recorded, Maxine once again peaced out. I mean, they in, they out, they back in. <laughs> um, okay, ladies. Uh, um, so then Dawn and Maxine considered performing together under the name Heirs to the Throne, while Cindy and Terry continued to tour as In Vogue, but with Ronna back. I'm getting tired. Meanwhile, Maxine and Dawn were going to add a third member when Dawn hollered, you know what? Never mind. Let me go and sign on to the show R&B Divas Los Angeles. Wait, y'all. I'm not even done. Then Maxine was like, bump this. I'm still touring. Found two other singers and then toured as in vogue to the max. <laughs> y'all, I can't. I'm not making this stuff up. This right on the internet. Okay. <sighs> So then Cindy and Terry sued Maxine for the unauthorized use of the En Vogue name, and y'all, they won, since they apparently were the holders of the group's LLC and had exclusive rights to the name. Maxine then decided to go solo, recording a ballad called Didn't I, which was a different version of the song Don't Let Go. In 2016, En Vogue, and that is Cindy, Terry, and Rana released the song Deja Vu, which would be the first single off their new album, Electric Cafe, but this time on their own label, En Vogue Records. A European tour followed along with three more singles, which include I'm Good, Have a Seat, and Rocket. The full album was finally released in 2018 and was their first studio album in 14 years. The single Rocket ended up a top 10 hit and their first one in over 20 years. Overall, Electric Cafe peaked at number 69 on Billboard's top album sales. It was in October 2019 that En Vogue performed together to salute industry music exec Sylvia Rohn at the City of Hope Gala. But this time, all five members, Dawn, Cindy, Terry, Maxine, and Ronna Bennett. I caught a clip of that on YouTube, and it's nice to see the ladies all together performing together unified. 
and more of that the ladies specifically cindy terry and rana were also seen in a brief cameo of the coming to america sequel released in 2021 proof that in vogue in some formation are still around and as of this research which was in june 2021 still touring and still performing Woo, child that was tired yep i'm tired y'all tired okay maybe it's just me so what to say about in vogue's legacy well let's see in vogue has sold more than 30 million records worldwide and are listed among the best r&b girl groups of all time an honor that is very well deserved they entered the music scene at a time when there seemed to be few girl groups of that genre and specifically none where not only all members strong vocalists but also bring a four-part harmony, harmony that we hadn't seen in years. In March 2015, Billboard listed them as the number ninth most successful girl group of all time. Interestingly enough, when I think about it now, their sound as well as their careers are very similar to that of Boys to Men, though they did debut first, and I think they might have been a bit older when they first hit, but similar in their throwback doo-bop sound. Vocally, they brought the fierceness and just maybe paved the way for many of the girl groups that were to come in the 90s, a time that would bring us so many more girl groups. I don't think there have been many groups quite like them, and that's okay. Every girl group will hopefully bring their own flavor to the scene, and right now, we may not need another girl group like them. We could just have them back, and maybe they'll give us another hit. Anything is possible. And that is it for me in this episode. Any thoughts on In Vogue or the current state of girl groups in 2021? Hit me up on social media. Till the next time, y'all. Peace. Hey, thanks for listening to Word to the Mother. Be sure to find us on Facebook and Twitter. Until the next episode, we out.